You are listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's topic is about marriage. Hello again. Listeners, I'm glad to have your company today and I hope you had a good week. Did someone murmur that you didn't? Well, I feel sorry for you if things haven't worked out as you wanted. But even so, you need to remember that you are very much loved. God loves you. Some people have said to me, it's a good thing if you start the day above grass level. That's true enough, but it doesn't give you much consolation when you're feeling miserable. This week, we're going to have a look at the subject of marriage. Marriage has been in the news quite a bit during the last few months, especially as there are strong moves to make same-sex marriages lawful and legally binding. The gay community would like to have the same privileges in marriage status as does the heterosexual community. As you probably know, a number of governments in Europe have have voted to accept same-sex marriages. And here in Australia... There have been several attempts to have Parliament pass laws to recognise same-sex marriages. So far, those attempts will that they have been unsuccessful in this country. Today, we will look at what the Bible says about marriage. The first question to consider is, where did the institution of marriage come from? We read in the first chapter of Genesis, right at the beginning of the Bible, about how the earth and everything in it came into existence. And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. It's especially interesting that the Bible makes a simple and straightforward statement that God made man mature and complete and did not require large eons of time to do it. I know there are many people who try to combine evolution and the biblical accounts of origins, but what they end up with is something 
which is totally implausible. The problem is that evolution, despite the large number of supporters, is failing to stand up to scrutiny. More and more findings and an increasing number of scientists are finding that the Bible explanation of origins is far more satisfactory. But Genesis goes on. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Female was not the result of a long millions of years process where a male transformed into a female, nor was it the other way round. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. We're told here that man was to dominate all other living creatures. Man was the highest order of life. But because of that, man was also responsible for the well-being of the planet and of all living things. Man was also to reproduce, to have children, to be fruitful. So, in the creation week, God made two institutions, the Sabbath and marriage. And ever since, both of these institutions have been under attack. Originally, God intended, in the institution of marriage, that a man and wife would be companions and gave them the possibility to reproduce. A man's wife should also be his friend, and vice versa. The deepest intimacy between two people would be in the bond of marriage. There have been some marriages where one of the two elements, that is, of friendship or reproduction, is missing. Some marriage partners are not friends. In some marriages there's no reproduction. The ideal is to have both. In 2013, there were approximately 119,000 marriages in Australia and approximately 48,000 divorces. That means that only about two in every five marriages lasts. I'm sorry, that should be three in five lasts. That's less than one in three. The figures do not take into account couples who live together without actually marrying. The institution of marriage is certainly under attack in this country. When Adam and Eve sinned, God cursed the serpent. But both Adam and Eve also came under a curse as well. In Genesis 3.16, God told Eve what she would have to suffer. Firstly, she would suffer painful childbirth. Secondly, her husband would rule over her. Since then, 
How many women have suffered at the hands of their husbands? Many have suffered physical, verbal and sexual abuse. And in some societies, women's rights are virtually non-existent. The word rule does not mean to dominate. The problem with the rule issue is that some men seem to think that they have the right to treat women as they like. Instead, rule entails caring. Men have the responsibility to protect and provide for their wives and children. In the New Testament in Ephesians 5.25, the Apostle Paul is quite clear. He says, Husbands, love your wives. And in the same chapter in verse 22, Paul wrote, Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. So we can see that God's ideal for marriage is that there should be love and respect. There should be mutual friendship. And within that framework, the basic unit of society, a family, develops. God gave the Israelites instruction in order to protect the institution of marriage. It is found in Leviticus 20. I'll summarise those instructions for you. But God's overarching instruction was, Sanctify yourselves and be holy, for I the Lord am holy. So the following is a summary of the statutes listed in Leviticus 20, protecting marriages. The instructions are addressed to men, but of course the rules apply to women as well. There was to be no committing adultery, that is, having sexual intercourse with another man's wife. There should be no sexual intercourse with your mother. There should be no sexual intercourse with your daughter-in-law. There should be no sexual intercourse a man with another man. There should be no sexual intercourse with your wife's mother. There should be no sexual intercourse with an animal. There should be no sexual intercourse with your sister. There should be no sexual intercourse with your aunt. There should be no sexual intercourse during menstruation. There should be no sexual intercourse with one's sister-in-law. God instructed that there be harsh penalties, including death, for anyone who violated these instructions. He also said, And you shall be holy unto me, for I the Lord am holy, and have severed you from other people, that you should be mine. There is no doubt that while the Israelites kept God's instructions, they were healthy and their society was strong. But as soon as they incorporated into their lives what the other pagan nations round about did, then they got sick and were no better off than anyone else. In a recent program, I mentioned that God's ideal for human beings is that we be holy, happy and healthy. The statutes regarding relationships 
provide very good guidelines on how to live. How are we doing in the 21st century in relation to God's guidelines regarding sex and marriage? The marriage-divorce statistics give an, an indication. The answer is that society in Australia is not doing very well. Probably one reason for that lies in humanism. Humanism is a fancy word to describe that someone believes in the theory of evolution. The reasoning goes like this. If mankind developed from monkeys and monkeys developed from other lower life forms, there is no issue of morality because, well, it just happened without direction and without external laws. There is no right and wrong. There are no absolutes, no authority who states that a particular action is wrong. The only viable reason to abstain from certain behaviours is to maintain society from breaking down. But obviously certain individuals do not care what is good for society. They must gratify their own desires as would an animal with no sense of right and wrong. Probably for similar reasons, there is no hope for the future beyond the span of one's natural life. Humanists rightly regard themselves as accidents of plain, undirected luck. So, who cares? Just do what you feel like doing, as there is no one to answer to. Needless to say, with the humanist philosophy, the existence of God does not count. But that is where Christianity is different. Christians regard God as supreme. He gave us life, and along with that life, people owe a responsibility to him. He provides us with absolutes. He gives rules that are for our own and others' benefit. If we have at least a little intelligence, we will obey those rules out of firstly respect for him, and secondly, because we can see they are for everyone's, including our own, well-being. I'm pleased that we live in a country that has adopted Bible standards regarding the status of all people. We have laws to control abuse to children, to control abuse to people who are radically different, and laws which control sexual abuse. There are laws to protect the handicap. We have laws to control religious intolerance. We may discuss issues openly and even criticise the government. We have freedom of expression. This is not the case in many countries. Mind you, there are some individuals and some groups in society who choose not to obey these laws. Some of them get found out and punished accordingly. We're going to have a little musical break here and I invite you to come back after the break. 
Today we are looking at the subject of marriage and just before the break we were considering the fact that in this country there are laws to protect vulnerable people and of course that includes marriage partners. So what does the Bible say On what basis have the laws protecting vulnerable individuals been formulated? Galatians 3 verse 28 has this to say, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. That means that none of us can boast that we are of more value than any other person, no matter who we are or who we think we are. We are equal as Jesus died for all. He didn't die a bit more for me because I might think I'm a bit better than you. And as far as men and women are concerned, and especially in marriage, Men are not worth more than women, nor women worth more than men. They are the same. I am aware of the particularly distasteful practice in some cultural groups where men think they can do anything and women must be subservient. That is, they are there to serve the men. In these societies, men have rights. Women have none. 
I think it was on television where someone of Arabic origin was saying that men and boys are desirable, but women are there to serve men. The thought came to my mind, where did this guy come from? Did he drop out of the sky, or did he have a mother? If he had no mother, then he would not exist. So he should shut up and not rave on about the superiority of men. All men, and women too, of course, have or have had mothers. A few minutes ago I quoted from Galatians 5.25, but only gave part of the text. The full text says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Here we have a measure of how much men should love our, we men should love our wives. It should be very, very much, just as Christ was willing to die for the people who make up the church. With love like this, our society would not be plagued with divorces, disputes, law cases, broken homes, damaged families, unhappy children, and all of the rest of the trouble associated with breakups in marriage. I have a good friend whose marriage broke up. He is now happily married to another partner. But I've seen the personal anguish and been aware of the stress and trouble the breakup caused. Oh, that people would choose their partners wisely and be in control of their hormones and their emotions before making a marriage commitment. Now, I want to take you back to the beginning of this broadcast about same-sex marriages. Anyone who says the Bible is a boring book probably doesn't know very much about it. There is an amazing story recorded in Genesis chapter 15 concerning Sodom and Gomorrah. A man named Lot, he was Abraham's nephew, lived in Sodom. Two angels appearing as men came to Lot's house one evening. News travelled around the city that Lot had two male visitors. And it wasn't very long before a crowd of men gathered outside Lot's front door. They wanted Lot to bring the men out to them that they might have their way with them. We have a word describing male-male intercourse which stems from the name Sodom. Anyhow, Lot refused to bring the men out. In the long run, God destroyed the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah because of the sexual perversion and extreme wickedness that was practiced there. It is obvious that God is not pleased with sexual perversion. It is regarded as a sin. Modern society, it seems, is not far off what the Bible described as being the case with Sodom and Gomorrah. One thing needs to be made very clear. While God disapproves of homosexuality, he still loves homosexuals. He might detest the practice, 
but he cares for the individuals. Now, all this has been very heavy stuff. Yes, the institution of marriage is under attack. Satan is in the business of destruction and breaking down what is good, and marriage is one thing that he has severely damaged. On the other hand, marriage is a beautiful thing. A man and a woman who love each other complement each other. One has certain strengths which the other may not have, yet together they make a good unit. I'm one of the lucky ones who has enjoyed a beautiful marriage, and I would like to share what I regard as the key elements of a successful marriage. I think it's important that each partner retains their own individuality and does not submerge their own personality in the other person. I think it is important to love each other and let that love overrule in every situation, even when there are disagreements. I think it is important to hold your own opinions, yet not let those opinions stand in the way of coming to an agreement. Sometimes you need to agree that you may not always agree. I think it is important to always keep the most important things the most important things. I think it's important to share our feelings with our partners and try to keep too much emotion out of the sharing time. Because one partner has the toilet lid one way or another is no reason for an argument. I think it's important to do things together. Your partner should be your best friend. Finally, I think it is important that a successful marriage involves God. To worship God together is a beautiful thing. Each partner has the same focus in life. So I've shared with you what the Bible says about marriage and I've tossed in a few ideas of my own. My friends, we live in a fractured society, but I feel that if we follow the biblical principles, we would be much better off and much happier. Well, that's it for today. Until next time, I wish you happiness, God's blessings, and peace.